This is such an honor today. In 1987, my kids were 7, 3, and 18 months, and we moved to Phoenix, Arizona to plant a church. We had never been there. So I cast a vision to 90 adults. They all looked a little bit like you, but you're better. You know why? Because only six said they'd do it with me. Come on, people, just laugh. But you guys know the story. We made 23,000 phone calls on opening Sunday. We opened with 305. Now, let me tell you something. That Sunday, 13 people came to Jesus. That's what it's all about. Now, let me tell you this. In the next three months, we opened three new churches. We opened in Houston on the 28th of January. I'm going down for that. We opened in Anderson, South Carolina, January 14th. So Daniel Gregory's in Houston. Pastor knows all these guys. Connor Garzini is in South Carolina. And then we open in Phoenix up on Scottsdale Road with a man named John Cadiz. Listen, would you put your hands together for what God is doing? It's amazing. Now, Jay Harvey, he was in the first service. He's not very spiritual. He's going to the Colts game. Come on. But he's here, and now we have planted 37 churches in prison. Would you give God praise for that? Now, so we opened this church, and we were there for 19 years. I've been gone now as many years as I was there. Now, they went through some hard times. You know, sometimes things go south in a church. And so they fell down to, over to, down to 500 people. When I left, they were running about 3,000. They fell down to 500. But I want you to remember this phrase. When God does something great, he always uses a person. Now, you can argue with me. Then I'll tell you he sent Jesus, and you just have to shut up. When God does something great, God always chooses a person. And so it's my great honor today. Charlton Scullard, the new pastor at Mountain Park, came one year and 10 months ago. And he preached to 506 people. He called me and he said, would you come and cast vision with me for all the hurting people that have left? And this guy has loved hundreds of people since he came. And they now have broken 2,000. Would you give praise to God for that? That's awesome. Come on, give praise to God. It's all about people coming to Jesus. And he's one of the most special men I've ever known. He calls me twice a week. I love that. Pastor Greg calls me about once every two months. It's awesome. But Charlton, he is so dear to me. Now, I'm going to tell you an old spiritual. I was going to sing it, but I thought they would kick me out of the church. Talk about it. It's the best thing I can say about Charlton. Talk about a man who do love Jesus. Here's one. Here's one. Talk about a man who do love Jesus. Here's one. Ever since Charlton heard the gospel story, he's been walking up the road to glory. Talk about a man who do love Jesus. It's Charlton Scullard. Would you give him the warmest welcome from Phoenix, Arizona, Mountain Park Church? Come on, give it up. Give it up. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Robin. Good morning, Union Chapel. How are you doing? Good to be with you. Now, now, here's the deal. I have an accent, and uh, originally I was born and raised in South Africa, immigrated to the U.S. 20 years ago, and uh, when I get to go back to South Africa, they tell me I have an accent, so I'm kind of like a man with uh, no place, but um, a lot of pastors go, it's so unfair you have an accent, and uh, I don't think I sound that great, my accent, but people seem to enjoy it, but it's so good to be with and uh, thank you, Pastor Greg and Beth, for having me uh, to speak. Uh, and, and, you know, when pastors let 
guest speakers come and speak uh, in the pulpit, uh, it's always an honor. And uh, I love the, the word honor. Uh, I'm a guy that loves to, I love to give honor. We just honored some of our staff that have been doing volunteer ministry for 20 years. One of my staff members just did 20 years. He's worked with, uh, Pastor Robin hired him. And then uh, he, he's worked with all three pastors. I'm the third one. And, uh, and so, it's so it's so rare to see longevity at a church. And uh, your pastors, uh, Pastor Greg and Beth, have been here for 44 years. And so, come on, let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet. And let's give honor where honor is due. Come on, put your hands together. Pastor Greg and Beth, and thank you so much. And you can be seated. And I was saying to Pastor Greg, I said, you've got to write a book uh, for pastors on how to, how to stay. You know, the average uh, pastor in America does probably close to five years. The average youth guy, maybe just over a year. And because uh, and, church is messy. And so for 44 years to pioneer and to see what God has done here. And as he's uh, transitioning out in the next coming uh, year or so or months, um, uh, just honor, love on, celebrate uh, your pastors for everything that they've done and in investing uh, into this. And so uh, just such a testimony to me personally and uh, honored to be with you guys today. Uh, in 2002, a pastor wrote a book and this book went on to sell 50 million copies. The name of the pastor is Pastor Rick Warren from Saddleback and the book was called The Purpose Driven Life. And it's a book that inspired so many people because there's so many people today and human beings are chasing after what is the meaning, what is the purpose, why am I here? And in his book, uh, Pastor Rick talks about five purposes that God has for us. The first one we did this morning, which was the purpose of worship. We were created to worship God. We were created for relationship, relationship and intimacy uh, with God. The second purpose is God planted us in a family called the church. We were created for fellowship, to do life with others, to grow together, to serve together, to get to know people. The, the third one was discipleship, that God has called us to grow, grow in our understanding of his, his word, grow in prayer, getting to know who he is. In fact, Jesus said to his disciples, it's to your advantage that I go because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's the counselor. He's the teacher. He's the comforter. He'll bring revelation into your life about who God is and what God has to say uh, in your life. And so we have worship, we have fellowship, we have discipleship. And in ministry, God has called us to ministry. We'll talk about that more a little later. And then the last one's evangelism, that we're to take the good news of Jesus out into the world. In fact, Scripture says, how will they know unless someone tells them, someone teaches them the Word of God? The world is waiting to hear the message, the good news. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves that even though some people that are so far away are anti-God will say Jesus is bad news, the, the truth is Jesus is good news. He is the hope of humanity. Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, said in Proverbs 29 verse 18, he says, where there is no vision, the people perish. We could paraphrase that to me, it's where there's no understanding or meaning or purpose to life, people perish. It's interesting today as we look at culture and 
we look at all the things going on in our world, we can say, man, have people lost their minds? Have, why are people doing all these crazy things? And, and we, we just see tension and people debating. And I don't know if you saw yesterday, there was a woman on a plane that was climbing over seats and, and, and just, just it's so crazy. As, as I'm flying out here from Phoenix, I was like, man, am I going to see any people shouting, any chaos? Because any? people are just on edge. But the reality is without purpose, Solomon said, People perish. You know, uh, the Spanish translation actually says it really well. The Spanish translation says where there's no vision or purpose or understanding. The people run around like wild horses. Isn't that interesting? You see a lot of that today. People even in drive-thrus. I mean, I remember the day where we were so excited about drive-thrus because now we don't have to go in and it's quicker. But you see people honking in drive-thrus. People just, I mean, come on, how much faster can you get your drink? And now people are pre-ordering and walking in. It's just, everything's so fast. But, but people on the, on the inside, people are longing for a purpose. The title of today's message is Living with Purpose. I want to talk to you about living with purpose. Are you living with purpose? What is it that you're chasing after? What is it that brings joy to your life? What brings meaning to your life? You know, Jesus, in John chapter 18, verse 37, he's getting ready to, to go to the cross, and he's, he's alone with Pilate, Pontius Pilate, and Pilate's talking to him, and he's having this moment with him, and in verse 37, he says, Pilate therefore said to him, are, are you a king then? So come on, tell me the truth. Are you a king then? And Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause, for this purpose, I was born. And for this cause, this purpose, I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. I love how Jesus, his, his meeting with Pilate, he doesn't say much as Pilate's questioning him, but Pilate asks him, are you the king? I wanna know. And what does Jesus say? For this purpose, for this cause, I came. I came to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. I came to give my life. And that's why Jesus, with his disciples, he would say to people, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Nobody goes to the Father but through me. And Jesus was saying, I am the sacrificial lamb. See, Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, the penalty of sin or the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. You know, what Paul was saying there is that you and I, we've, we've all missed God's mark. There's none of us in this room that can say, well, based on the way I've lived and my thought life, my actions, uh, I, I deserve to go to heaven. I mean, I've been really good. No, we can't earn salvation. We can't earn heaven. We really don't deserve it if we're really honest. But it's a gift. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And Jesus said, this is the reason I came to give my life so that people could find their life, that they could find purpose for living. Paul says it's so great in Philippians chapter one, verse 13. So he's in prison and he says, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the Praetorian God and every, to everyone else. Paul is saying 
in this verse. He's saying, I'm in prison, but I'm using this opportunity to share the gospel. God has put me here, and I'm using this opportunity. I'm living for a cause. But if we think back on the life of Paul, and we remember that he was Saul, and his name was Saul, and Saul was a man that was going after Christians. He was persecuting them, condemning them. Anybody that would follow the way, it was called the way, Jesus Stephen, as he was stoned, they looked to, to, to Saul and said, for his approval, and he nodded, and they, they stoned Stephen to death because of his faith. And, and this is the Paul. He wanted, to, he wanted to catch Christians. But on the road to Damascus, he encounters the Lord. And he says, who are you, Lord? He hears the voice. Who are you, Lord? And he says, I'm Jesus. And in that moment, he went blind. The Lord sent him to the house with Ananias meets and prays for him, and the scale, this, like scales removed, and he can see and he receives the Holy Spirit. And Paul goes from catching and killing Christians to winning Christians. He picks up the cause, the purpose of reaching people for Jesus. What about us? Jesus in Matthew chapter 28 says to his disciples, they came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. It's like I've, I've died for the sins of humanity and then I rose that you can have new life. And I have the keys. I took the keys from the enemy of death and life. Sin can no longer judge you if you have faith in Jesus. And he says to his disciples, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What Jesus was saying to his disciples and what Jesus is saying to you today. If you're a Christ follower here today, here's what Jesus is saying to you. Hey, go out into the world. Tell people about Jesus. Share your story. Don't be a light that's under a basket. Let your light shine wherever you go and share about Jesus. Make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. You know, this is called, this passage is called the Great Commission, the Great Calling. Well, I would like to say the purpose of why we're still here. Because think about it. If all God's goal was to get you to heaven, the minute that you said yes to Jesus, just like Star Trek, beam me up, Scotty, the Lord would have just taken you to heaven. I mean, you said yes to Jesus. You said yes, boom, up to heaven you go. But you know what Jesus said? Now that you've received salvation and forgiveness and grace and mercy, now go into the world and tell others the good news. How will they know unless someone tells them? You see, this great commission is a calling, an assignment. Saturday in the, sad to say in the church today, it's almost like the great omission. Pastor, just make me feel good. Just come on, ring the bell. Preach a good word. Teach me how to be a better man. Teach me how to be a better woman. Teach me how to be a husband, wife, dad, son, daughter. You know, teach me how to be better at my, just teach me, teach me, teach me. Feed me, feed me, feed me. But don't ask me to do anything else. You see, really, Christianity is about Sunday when we come together here. We sing about the greatest name, Jesus. We sing about the goodness of God. We sang that today. We sing about, may your blessing 
go before us, behind us, on the side, all around us. We sing about his love for us and his blessing for us. But then Monday to Saturday, we're to go. We come on a Sunday, but then we go. Why? Because God has called us to live on purpose. You know, at the first service, it was a lighter service. It was a great crowd. They were a little bit more energetic than you. But the service is pretty packed, but I still see some empty seats up front here, some empty seats. You know, I've been teaching my church that every empty seat is a life. Every empty seat has a name. In fact, one service I jumped off the stage and they were like, he's losing his mind. And I went up to a seat and I said, this is, this is Bob. This is Susan. This is Charlie. This is Hector. This is Gabriel. And I began to speak to chairs and he's really lost his mind. But I began to say, this this seat is reserved for somebody. But who's going to invite them? Because Matthew, Jesus talks to us in Matthew chapter 6. And he he says, don't store up treasures on earth where the moth and the rust are going to get it. He says, no, no, store treasures in heaven. You know what that verse really means? Simply means this. You don't take stuff to heaven. You don't take the car, the house, the bank account, the 401k. Now, all those things are cool and amazing. The only thing you take to heaven is people. People that you've shared the good news to. People that you've served. People that you've loved. And that's why Jesus says, where your your treasure is, there your heart will be too. So if, if your passion and your purpose is the kingdom of God because the king saved you and gave his life for you, if that's it, then guess what? Your heart will be with that. If Jesus is your treasure, your heart will be there. But if things are your treasure, then your purpose and what you're chasing will be the things of this world. And Jesus says, don't do that. Put, seek first, Matthew six thirty three. seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything, all those things. God doesn't have a problem with things. God has a problem when things have us, when things become the purpose and things become what we're chasing, kind of like Schmeagel in Lord of the Rings. I'm precious. Oh, my precious, my precious car, my precious house. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a nice car if you'll pick up some teenagers to get to youth group. There's nothing wrong with having a nice house if you'll open it up for a Bible study. See, things, things are great. God uses things in our life. I want to give to you today uh, three things to think about when it comes to living on purpose. Three things that in my own life I reflect on and pray on and challenge myself, stretch myself in. Three things today I believe that can help you begin to reflect on what does it mean to love with kingdom purpose. So if you're taking notes today, point number one is this. Make it about God and others. Make your purpose in life God and others. Listen to the words of Jesus in John chapter 15, verse 9 to 14. As the, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that your joy may be, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. 
My command is this. Listen to this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I love this. What is Jesus saying? He's saying simply this. Love God and love others. Now, let's be honest. Uh, People are really hard to love, right? I mean, if everybody was like me, it'd be easy to love them. But there's only one of you. And Jesus says this, you want to find joy in life? He says, remain in me. Be a God pleaser, not a man pleaser. You see, when your purpose in life is to please God, it's easy to say no to sin because you know that sin pulls you away from God and your purpose in life is to worship him and you're desperate for more of him and you wanna know him and grow in him. And then he says, out of this love that you have received, now love others with their warts, with their issues, and with their problems. Love them. Why? Because didn't he love you? Didn't he love you first? Amen. Hasn't he been good to you? You know, when I think about where Jesus said to Pilate, for this cause, I have come. Sometimes I... I like to reflect, and even John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. I like to put my name in there. For God so loved Charlton that he gave his one and only son. That if Charlton would believe in him, he wouldn't perish but have eternal life. I think about Jesus' words to Pilate, for this cause I've come. For Charlton, I have come to give my life a ransom, to pay the price for his sins, that if Charlton would put his faith in me, he'd receive eternal life and be restored, not to religion, but to relationship. You see, Jesus came for you. His purpose was you. His purpose was to carry your sin and shame and brokenness on the cross, that you could find healing, wholeness, peace, and joy. He came to restore relationship between you and God. So let's love God, and then let's love people. If you take your notes, number two, uh, I like this one a lot. You want to live on kingdom purpose? You got to be planted and not potted. You got to be planted. Listen to the words of David in Psalm 92, verse 13 to 15. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall bear fruit in old age. Come on, somebody. That's an amen right there. They shall be fresh and flourishing. I love that. To declare the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there's no unrighteousness in him. You know what? This is so powerful. This verse is saying this. Those that are planted in the house of God do what? Flourish. I like to say... um, I talk to our church, I like to ask the question, are you planted at Mountain Park or are you potted? 
You see, in Phoenix, there's a mega church on almost every street corner. And it's sad to say, but what happens is you see the people go on the, what I call the church circuit. The pastor says something and they get offended. And they pick up their pot and they go to the next church. And then guess what happens in a couple of months or maybe a year? They get offended. They pick up their pot and they go to the next church. And then I don't know why I'm not flourishing. I don't know why I'm not happy. I don't know why I'm not growing. Because those that are planted flourish. Recently, we were seeing tremendous church growth. And I don't know why people like to come in and say, Pastor, I'm kind of new to the church. I've been coming for a month. And uh, I was going to so-and-so. And now I'm coming to Mountain Park, Mountain Park Church. And I'm like, Father, please. I know I'm going to offend them. Help them to get planted. Because if a pastor doesn't offend you, then I don't know if he's really preaching the word of God. Because Proverbs says, iron will sharpen iron. You know what that tells me? There will be sparks. If you have people in your life sharpening you, there are going to be some sparks and there be some tough things. Uh, a couple of years ago, I went to Hawaii. I did ministry in Hawaii for five years. God needed somebody and I said, here am I. Send me. And I was amazed because in Hawaii, there's a lot of palm trees, beautiful palm trees, thin trunks that go high in the sky and the palm leaves on the top, beautiful. And I remember a time where there was a storm that came in, I mean, just a ferocious storm on the islands and these palm trees were just bending and the wind and I was like, how are they not snapping? How are they not being uprooted? In fact, I have photos of that palm trees and you can see that's that's in Florida after a hurricane look at the devastation that's going on the things turned over mobile homes and caravans turned over but look at those trees they're standing straight up and I remember going to one of my mentors in Hawaii pastor and I said can you just tell me about the palm trees why don't they snap and he said oh grasshopper (laughs) let me tell you the lesson and the story of the palm trees. He said, palm trees have no tap root, a main root that goes down. He said, they have a fibrous root system. I said, a what? A fibrous root system. Roots like fingers that just go wide. And he said, the secret of the palm tree with the winds and the storms not not being uprooted is that their roots go out and what they do is they begin to link with the palm tree on the right and the left. Their roots get intertwined. And so when the storm comes, that palm tree doesn't stand alone. It has its brother and its sister and their brother and sister and all this whole network of palm trees, roots that are intertwined and they stand together and that's why they can bend and they can flex. But they're never uprooted because they're not standing alone. They're standing together. And I want to challenge you. Are you planted at Union Chapel? Or are you potted? Are you just filling a seat on Sunday? Or are you living on purpose? Because God has an assignment for you. 
But you've got to be planted. And the good news is we are planted with a taproot. His name is Jesus. He is the anchor, as Scripture says, for our souls. He's the rock on which we stand. But then also we have fibrous roots because when we give our life to Jesus, he put us in a church because we need each other. We're a body. We're a family. One of our culture values at Mountain Park Church is we're family. We need each other. And so when your roots go down in Jesus and vertically and then horizontally your roots are going, guess what? You're planted. And planted people understand They have an assignment. Are you planted here? See, planted people invest their time. They invest their talent. And they invest their treasure. You're in a faith promise right now. Why? Because Union Chapel has a purpose, a vision, a God assignment. And so I challenge you to think about that, that I'm a part of something bigger. God's brought me to this church. I'm gonna get planted here. I'm gonna get into community. I'm gonna serve and I'm gonna sow into what God is doing. If you wanna live on kingdom purpose, you're gonna love God, you're gonna love people. You gotta be planted and not potted. And then number three, if you take your notes, you got to realize your role at Union Chapel. You have a role. In Hawaii, one of the things that I loved was potluck. Everything in Hawaii is potluck. Birthday parties, Bible study groups, potluck. You know what potluck is? You know in the uh, here. In, in Indiana, you know what probably what potluck is. Potluck is what? Everybody brings a dish. I mean, if you call, if you, hey, I'm throwing a party, it's a potluck, bring something, and no one brings anything, guess what? It's not a potluck. <laughs> and guess what? Some, I like to say some hangry people. But potluck is you bring some fried chicken, you bring a little ham, you bring some mashed potato. You bring the coleslaw. You bring the bread pudding. Some of you are getting hungry right now. You can see it. You bring the apple pie. You bring the whipped cream. You bring the ice cream. And when you look at the spread, go, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what I'm about to receive. I'm going to receive what others brought and what I brought. Church is like a potluck. We all have something to bring. And when we bring it, it's a blessing to everybody. So what do you have to bring? Now in 1977, there was a TV show. And if you're under the age of 50, you probably won't know what I'm talking about. It was a show called The Love Boat. How many of you remember The Love Boat, right? Captain Sturbing. It's a great show. It's a funny show. But so often we think the church is the love boat. The church is not a love boat. It's not a cruise ship. The church is a battleship. We're in a battle right... There's a battle going on right now for the souls of humanity. The devil know that 
knows that Jesus defeated him on the cross. But the devil is trying to take as many people down as he can. We're in a battle. Paul says in Ephesians, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. Therefore, put on the whole armor of God. We're in a battle. And I have a photo there. I think they might have put it up of the cruise ship and the battleship. And look at the deck of a cruise ship. Doesn't it look like fun? We just lay by the pool. We just call the waiter over. You know, I went on a cruise ship a couple of years ago and someone said to me, they said, uh, Charlton, when you go on the cruise ship, you can have pizza at 3 a.m. And I said, no way. (laughs) And guess what I did? I woke up at 3 a.m. to see if they had pizza. And they had fresh pizza. It's buffet. It's all you can eat. It's, It's entertainment. Go to the shows. It's wonderful. That's not the church. Church is a battleship. And you know what's interesting about the deck of a battleship? If you saw in that photo, everybody on the battleship has an assignment. If you don't have an assignment, you're not on the battleship. Whether it's cleaning the deck, cooking the food, being a janitor, being the guy that works the guns, the guy that, that, that does navigation, or you're the captain. Everybody on a cruise ship has, uh, on a battleship, sorry, everybody on the battleship has a role or else you're not on the ship. Let me tell you something, the kingdom of God's the same. Every one of us have an assignment, have purpose, have a calling. Well, Pastor Charlton, isn't ministry what you and Pastor Greg and Pastor Robert and the staff and all the pastors and leaders, isn't that what we tithe? We, We pay you to do that, right? Isn't that what we do? I get that question a lot. And the answer is no. What do you mean? You're supposed to be doing ministry. No, 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 no. That's not my role. Let's go to the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 12. And he himself, talking about God, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. For what? The equipping of the saints for what? For the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. My role, Pastor Greg's role as lead pastors is not to do ministry. Our role is to equip you to do ministry because God has called you into ministry. Welcome to ministry. As I look out today, I'm seeing hundreds of ministers. You see, you might be a school teacher today. You're a minister disguised as a school teacher. You might be a mechanic. You're a minister disguised as a mechanic. You might be a plumber. You're a minister disguised as a plumber. You might be a barista. You're a minister disguised as a barista. Doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. If you have Jesus and he's the Lord of your life, he has now put his purpose in you. And he says, go out. Go out. 
go be a minister. Well, pastor, I, I, I'm just new to faith. I don't know the whole Bible and I don't know how to pray. I look at other people praying. I don't know how to... Just love them. Just love them. When someone says, please pray for me, guess what? Pray for them right there and then. Don't be like, well, I'll put you on my prayer list. No, you won't. Don't lie. How do I know that? Guilty. People come to you, Pastor, would you pray for me? Okay, let's pray. doesn't matter if we're in Starbucks, Walmart. Let's pray. Because if I don't pray now, I'm, I'm, I've got so much on my mind. The other day I was in Starbucks and someone talking and they said, hey, would you please be praying for my wife? And I said, okay, let's pray. And literally took his hands and I know people were looking like, they're holding hands in Starbucks. <laughs> and I didn't do this. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, if you love him, just I thank you today we can come to you. Little church mouse voice. So Lord, I thank you today that you love him. Pray for his wife right now. Struggle she's going through. I didn't get loud. Oh, Everybody take notice, I'm praying right now. God is in Starbucks. No, just normal. Don't be, hey, we're different, we're not weird. We're different, we're not weird. Don't be weird. How will they know unless someone tells them? There are people in your world right now that don't have Jesus. How will they know unless you tell them, unless you invite them? Hey, come to church with me. That's going to be fun. We have a great church. In fact, if you come, I'll take you to lunch after church. It's on me. Free food? Hey, I'm in. Doesn't mean I have to come back. But guess what? You never know what God could do in their life. You never know. I want to close today with... Luke chapter 22, verse 42 to 44. Jesus is in the garden. He says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. He knows the pain he's going to go through. You know, the cross, it wasn't the cross that I believe, personally I believe that Jesus was afraid of. It was the moment where he knew that his father would have to turn away from him. For the first time, there would be a, a, a separation. The first time, his father could not look because the son of humanity. Why? Because God the Father is holy and the son of humanity came on Jesus. And that, I believe, maybe I'm wrong, but to me, I believe that in that Jesus knew there's a moment coming where he'd be separated from his father. His father couldn't look at him. And he says, Father, if there's any way, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours. And an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthened him, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. See, Jesus knew there was only one way for our sins to be forgiven. And that way was he had to give his life. And he said to Pilate, for this cause, for this purpose, I came to be a king that gives his life for the sins of the whole world. Jesus was all in. He gave everything. And why did he do that? Because he loved us. Scripture says we didn't choose him. He chose us. And he wants us to live a life of purpose. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says God put eternity in the hearts of man. 
No one can fathom him. What does that mean? Inside of every single human being, no matter how old you are today, there's a void or an emptiness that only God can fill. And we can chase after all the things of this world to fill that empty feeling we have. But we'll fill it and it's temporary because there's only one that can fill it and sustain it. And that's Jesus. And so this morning, I'd like to give you that opportunity today. If you're not living on purpose, if you know that you've sinned and made mistakes, maybe today you're not walking with the Lord. You're not planted. Maybe distracted by the things of this world. Then today, I want to encourage you, my friend. I want to encourage you with God loves you. God knows where you're at. And God cares about you. And the best thing that you and I can do is what the prodigal son did in the Bible. The prodigal son took his inheritance before his dad died. And he squandered it. He has nothing left and he gets a job feeding pigs and he's in the pig pen, smelly, dirty. And he says, even the servants, the slaves in my dad's house have it better. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get up and go to my dad and say, dad, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. Just, you can just, just disown me, but please just make me a servant in your house because I'll have food and a roof over my head. And the Bible says every day that dad would be waiting and saying, is today the day my son's coming home? He would look every day. And then one day he looked over and he saw, saw a man coming and he said, that's my son. And you know what the dad did? He lifted up his robe. And in Bible times, a man of authority and power never ran after anybody. He lifted up his robe and he ran to his son. And the son sees his dad coming and begins to go, I've sinned against heaven, I've sinned against you. I'm not worthy to be your son. Just make me a servant. And he's, he's memorizing. And as he gets to his dad, his dad embraces him. And he, dad, I've sinned against heaven and I've, I've, I've sinned against you. I'm not worthy. Just make me a servant. And you know what his dad does? His dad doesn't even hear. He says, kill the fatted calf. Get a robe, get the ring. My son who was lost has come home. He's found. You, you're never going to be good enough. You're never going to be perfect. And here's the good news. You don't have to be. It's simply saying this. God, I need you. I need purpose in my life. I want you to fill the void, the emptiness in my soul. And the Bible says if you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved, redeemed, delivered, set free. That's what Jesus does. So as every eye is closed and head is bowed, I want to give you that moment today. If there's a tugging on your heart today, my friend, then I want to let you know that Jesus is speaking to you and that he loves you. And I want to encourage you today that if you need Jesus, his eyes are closed and heads are bowed, I just want you to slip your hand up and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Thank you, ma'am. I see your hand. Just raise your hands. Let me see it. No one looking around. This is a holy moment. See, hands going up all across. Up on top. I see you. Beautiful. See, why raise your hand? Because you're raising your heart. You're raising your heart to Jesus this morning and saying, Jesus, I need you. I can't do it anymore. I'm tired. I'm worn out. I need you. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to ask you to take a brave step. 
a brave step right now. And you're not doing this for people. You're doing this for you and Jesus. I want you to stand to your feet right now. Come on. You raised your hand. Just stand to your feet right now. Let's give them a hand as they begin to stand to their feet. Come on. Up on the balcony. I see you, sir. Stand to your feet. It doesn't matter. It's not about what people think. There's some more of you. Come on. Stand to your feet right now. Let me tell you, if you'll stand now, this is what Jesus said. If you'll stand for me one day, I'm going to stand for you when the accuser comes. I'm going to stand up for you. Beautiful. Beautiful. We're going to pray together. And I'm going to ask all of you, if you're not standing, that means, man, you're just in a great place with God. I'm going to ask you to pray loud so we encourage these people that are standing here today. Because the Bible says there's rejoicing in heaven over one person. I think we've probably got 20 people standing here today. It's beautiful. So let's pray together. Repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you today for your love for me. Thank you for speaking to me today. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of my sins. Thank you, Jesus, that you paid the price for my sins. I ask you now, Lord Jesus, to be my Lord and Savior. And I'm choosing this day to follow you. Fill me with your spirit. Give me purpose for life. And help me to be planted at Union Chapel. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's give them a hand one more time. Beautiful. Amen. If you stand, if you were standing, you said yes to Jesus today. I know after service, the prayer team will be up front here. I would love to talk with you, pray with you, encourage you uh, in any way. Amen. 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 God bless.